Second Chronicles chapter 32. Before I preach, I just want to say to those that are dealing with severe illness, we've been praying and fasting for your healing and for your families. Not only those that are sick, but family members who carry that burden also. We know that the Lord is with you and we're praying that the Lord will keep you. Amen. I'm reading from the New International Version this morning for a little clarity of a couple of words. Second Chronicles chapter 32 and I'd just like to read a little bit here in the Bible. Verse 1. After all that Hezekiah had done so faithfully. This king of Assyria, Sennacherib, invaded Judah. Sennacherib laid siege to the fortified cities, thinking to conquer them for himself. When Hezekiah saw that Sennacherib had come and that he intended to make war on Jerusalem, he consulted with his officials and military staff about blocking off the water from the springs outside the city, and they helped him. Large force of men assembled. They blocked all the springs and the stream that flowed through the land. Why should the kings of Assyria come and find plenty of water, they said. Then he worked hard, repairing all the broken sections, the breaches of the wall, and built again the towers. He built another wall outside of that one and reinforced the supporting terraces of the city of, of, city of David, which was Jerusalem. He also made large numbers of weapons and shields. He appointed military officers over the people and assembled them before him in the square at the city gate and encouraged them with these words. Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or discouraged because of the king of Assyria and the vast army. There's reality. The vast army that are with him. There are many with him. For there is a greater power with us. We're, by deduction, we're not as vast. But there's a greater power with us than with him. Here's the last verse. With him is only the arm of flesh, but with us is the Lord our God to help us and to fight our battles. And the people gained confidence from what Hezekiah, the king of Judah, said. I'm going to deal in reality today. Amen. And I preach to you. Wartime water. Father, I pray today, overshadow this place. We cry out, Abba, Father. See your children in this house. Your saints, you've made us joint heirs of Jesus Christ. I pray for everybody today. Let the word be sown. And let there be an outbreak in this house. A contagious thing that happens. Let it be of your spirit, through your spirit, by your spirit. I pray it in the matchless name of Jesus Christ. And with the commonwealth of the house of God, I pray. Let it be done today that you would have free reign. And that the liberty of the spirit would find refuge here. 
in Jesus' name because the people are hungry for your spirit. We don't want to come here, Lord, just to pass time. We're not filling out a card and checking a box today. We're not coming here to find out where we're going afterwards, Lord, but we've come here for you. We need the word, Lord, and we need your spirit in this house. Amen. Everybody said in Jesus' name. Please put your Bibles down behind you and release your hands to clapping and praising and waving unto the Lord. Thank you, and you may be seated. The kings of Israel and of Judah often seem lost in their order, at least to many of us who read. We would have to take the time to rehearse them in their chronological disposition to find their deeds. Most of them did poorly. Most of the kings turned the people's hearts from God. A small host of them had a partial relationship with the Lord. Perhaps only a few courted the prophets. Others of them executed them. They ordered their execution of the very men who warned them and led them. King Ahaz is an obscure king, but he joined the host of them who deluded the holy things of God. I lament today. That his story is lost in our modern age of relativism and giftings and religious indulgences. All of which are sought more than the lessons of the past. How we do desperately need the lessons of our past. Our future is very bleak without knowing our past. Ahaz, this king, he made deals with the enemy. He took silver and gold from the temple and gave it to the king of Assyria as a gift. Ahaz thought he could appease the wicked king by buying him off, perhaps staying his wicked hand. He would hold it at bay. Ahaz disrupted the temple by tearing out side panels and removing the established basins and the stands that had been there so long. He ordered the molten sea be removed from off the bronze bulls which acted as a pedestal for so many years. He removed the Sabbath canopy which has intrigued scholars for ages. In all, Ahaz closed the doors of the temple forcing the people to worship pagan shrines. That was the national environment in which the next king, Hezekiah, the son of Ahaz, entered. Hezekiah entreated the prophets. He's so much different than his father. And he welcomed the likes of Hosea, Micah, and Isaiah. Hezekiah instigated civil and social reforms and led the people through his own personal relationship with God. Hezekiah, as noted, had a prayer life. Here are the very best words that could ever be spoken of any person that will ever live. And it was spoken of Hezekiah. He trusted in the Lord God of Israel. So that after him was none like him. 
among all the kings of Judah, nor any that were before him. For he clave to the Lord and departed not from following him, but kept his commandments, which the Lord commanded Moses. It seems that Hezekiah's job was to replace all the broken things, the worship and artifacts and treasures he brought back into the temple and restored them. And life was good because righteousness had a foothold in Jerusalem, finally, after all of these many, many years. I love the fact that Hezekiah put back the Sabbath canopy, the protection of the word. <laughs> it's covering as it entered into the temple. The image of its imprint itself, I could not take out of my mind. I'll leave that for another day. But Hezekiah was not without trouble. In his triumph, there were oppressors. His material success looked good for the taking, especially in the sight of the enemy, the king of Assyria. What Ahaz, his father, gave away, thinking to make peace, only whet the appetite of the enemy. And Hezekiah was forced to deal with it. How strange it is, ladies and gentlemen, that so many of our children's battles began with our failure to show restraint and conviction in our own time. One generation is faced with the residue of the former, some blessed and others cursed. Some will work all their life to leave a house behind or money or land or a stock or a bond. But without convictions and consecrations, the things that we leave are empty and often lost. The real things that matter can never be held in your hand. Ahaz left Hezekiah compromise, negotiations. He left him fragrancy. The smell, the aura of half-hearted living, fleshly means. Hezekiah was forced to face the same enemy his father had coddled. And here comes the Assyrians, all full of hate and vengeance. They're coming with war, intentions to overthrow Jerusalem. The trail of blood was a portrait painted long before Hezekiah heard of their advance. Jerusalem was situated in the perfect place, however, to fight an enemy. It looked down on its enemies. The outer slopes, the valleys as they are, made it a geographical fortress all by itself. But just outside the city of Jerusalem was their main source of water, the Gihon Spring. It flowed over the valley. It helped the farmers. It found, it found the pleasant land. It made all the crops grow outside of the walls. It was the main water source for the entirety of the city. And Hezekiah considered the days of war that were soon to come. And the Bible says that he took counsel with his mighty men and his military officers. He said, why should we leave the water for the enemy? And what happens if we are seized and besieged round about? The spring is on the outside and we are on the inside. The flowing of the water will be welcomed by the enemy. Why would we help them? Let's cut off the water. Why should the kings of Assyria come and find much water? So Hezekiah ordered that all the walls be repaired and a new one be built. He encased the spring and then had a, had a tunnel dug from outside to inside. The tunnel where the water would flow was and is 1,750 feet long. Hezekiah joined the Gihon Spring to the pool of Siloam. And when Zennacherib came, finally came, he might have had many men of vast army. And they had tools of trade and weapons of war and shields and spears and bows and swords and knives. We know that he had words of accusations and lies, but he did not have water. Two groups of men were ordered by Hezekiah to dig a tunnel. Some of them started on the inside and the others start digging from the outside. And they dug... And they chiseled until they met in the middle. They hammered and they cut through a stone bedrock. They chiseled by candlelight. They chiseled in darkness. 
They scooped out all the falling stones with their hands and in baskets and blankets of leather. Since the days of Solomon, who lived long before Hezekiah, to the present time, the Gihon Spring was the most important water source in all of Jerusalem. But walls were built and houses were erected and time would pass. And finally Hezekiah had to face an enemy, the enemy of his life, the Assyrian king. And Hezekiah, he needed water. The wartime water had to be kept from the enemy. Yes. But it was also the only thing that could stain them in the time of battle. Zennacherib was on his way, lumbering from the east, on his way to destroy whatever he found. His last memory of King Ahaz and Jerusalem was one of weakness. The Assyrians were confident in their craft and war became them. But Hezekiah, the Bible says, trusted in the Lord. And not only did he put his trust in God, he exercised his abilities as well. And consider the plan. He knew God would sustain them, but he also prepared for the moment. It was the balance between faith and works. To believe and then to work. To trust God and then to do whatever can be done. God would fulfill it, but work had to be done. In fact, God fulfilled Joseph's dreams in time, but that did not keep Joseph from building barns and reaping harvest and conducting himself as a good steward over all the grain in Egypt. The Lord would keep all the cities, but that did not mean that the, watch, the watchman was not needed. Jesus would heal the Syrophoenician's daughter, but that did not negate her pleading, her prayer, and her worship. He knows what we have needed before we ask, but we are still commanded to come boldly before the throne of grace and with thanksgiving make our request known before God. God will save Jerusalem, but Hezekiah is in search of wartime water. I want to read it to you again. The opening line of Set Chronicles 20, I'm sorry, 32. Here's the opening line. After all that Hezekiah had so faithfully done. Ugh. The entirety of the verse. After all that he had done. The enemy came, invaded Judah, sieged the cities. Here's the living Bible. Sometime later, after this good work of King Hezekiah, King Sennacherib of Assyria invaded Judah and laid siege to the fortified cities, planning to place them under tribute. After all the good things, faithfulness, devotion, a good track record, putting the temple back in order and together, and instituting decency among the people that was worship and sacrifices unto the Lord, the molten sea found its way back atop the bronze bulls, all of it, and what happens next? The enemy comes to destroy. Sennacherib sought to conquer them and to conscript them and to bind them and make them pay under tribute. And to that, Hezekiah said, Oh no, we aren't going to go down without a fight. Build a wall. We're going to dig a tunnel. Let's get the wartime water flowing inside. We're not going to give it up. We cannot live without it. We cannot live without it. We cannot live without it. They can't live without it and we can't live without it. This is a, a doctor who spent a lot of time research. I won't go through all of his research. His name is Randall K. Packer. He's a professor of biology at George Washington University. He said that the human body can live maybe one full week without water. And I quote, But one week is a generous estimate. Three to four days would be more typical, especially in difficult conditions like broiling heat. You can't live without water. Your body needs it. Now you can try to supplement that with Mountain Dew. <laughs> that only makes you jittery. And from what I read, soda doesn't quench the, the thirst. In fact, it makes you dehydrated. Some of you have a headache right now. In just a moment, we're going to have a water break. Uh-huh. You gotta have water. You die without water. You can only live a few days without water. You take your natural body and you stop drinking anything, and a couple days something starts to happen in you. No water, no life, no water, no replenishing. Children will die first. Dehydration leads to delirium, weakness, and fatigue. 
The animals lay in heaps and the ground grows parched. Wheat and grain have no binding force without the water. All of it would be lost. The city would be lost without the water. Even in remote areas of the world, the need is not technology, ladies and gentlemen. We've been told, we've been sold a bill of goods that we got to give everybody internet service. What? Transportation? Cars? Not internet, not clothes. The need of the whole world is water. Wells of water. Water comes first. Water is the primary. Everything else is secondary. Water is the primary. Water is what makes your crops grow. The best vegetables and foods you can eat have water inside of them. Mm -hmm. And Hezekiah, the king, he knew it. And I like the tranquil times. I know that he did too. He liked putting things back in order. I'm sure he relished the day when sacrifice unto the Lord went up again and the house was filled with its appropriate treasure. I'm grateful for the times when everything is good. I'm a fan of the effortless. When it just all seems to go right and things fit so well. No one is opposed, ladies and gentlemen, to the lack of opposition. You have to be out of your mind to want to be opposed. I take that back. There's a few people who like opposition. There's a few people who can't live without drama. But most of us are happy when the car is working. In fact, few are happy and rejoicing when they lose. <laughs> That's right. You can lose a lot. Minimal things. You can lose your keys. You can lose your wallet. The kids bought me a little square. It's a little square, you attach it to your keys. And if you lose your keys, you can just punch a button on your phone and it dings and tells you where your keys are. And if you lose your phone, you can take your keys and punch the button and it dings your phone. There's a problem with this scenario. If you lose your keys and your phone, you blame your wife. <laughs> this works every time. Can lose a lot of things. People lose all the time. Rarely are they happy about losing. When it's good, it's good. Everybody knows it's good, but different seasons demand different waters. The easy waters that come in our lives are nourishing. They're assumed. They're almost unnoticed they flow without impediment without restraint or thought as they should i'm grateful for them peaceful waters even still waters they exemplify the tranquility of the shepherd's course as the psalmist once wrote he leadeth me beside the still waters but wartime waters are far different than the peaceful flow they taste different in my mouth they are not assumed or taken for granted even David, he was in a was he went in a cave. He he hungered, he thirsted. He even said, "Oh, that I might drink from the spring by the gate of Jerusalem." He could he could remember the taste in his mouth of that particular spring. Wartime waters are treasures of the soul. Peaceful waters are easily available, but wartime waters are game through struggle. You have to dig for them. They. They are not easily found. They have to be joined together, plotted, and planned for. And the most perplexing of all is that you have to struggle for them. Even when you, when you can say with a clear conscience, I've done faithfully. I've done so faithfully. After all that I have done faithfully, the enemy is going to come to invade me. I say to you, don't let the enemy use your faithfulness as a weapon of discouragement against you. I'm not talking about the in and out church goer who thinks that God is a 24 hour repairman who fixes their problems and the church is the filling station. 
And the pastor is a repository that must know all things about everything that's going on in their life. And people come in and out. They have no, they have no interest in the church or of God. They just come to get what they can get and then leave. I'm talking about the faithful who have repaired the walls and prayed prayers and who have contended for the faith. I hope that's everybody here today. I say to you, don't let the enemy of your soul use your devotion and convictions and your commitment against you. Because those are the very things that will lead you to still trust in the Lord and seek for the water that will sustain your life. And I won't labor on the water here very long because the Bible has already declared it. And Jesus will introduce it to the Samaritan woman in John chapter 4. He said to her, if thou knewest the gift of God and who it is that saith to thee, give me to drink, thou would have asked of him and he should have given thee the living water. Here's the following. And you've got to read it in John 7, 37. The Lord followed up with these words in the last day. That great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried, saying, If any man thirst, let him come unto me and drink. He that believeth on me, as the scripture has said, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. But this spake he of the Spirit, which they sh- that, that they that believe on him should receive. For the Holy Ghost was not yet given, because Jesus was not yet glorified. The living water is the Holy Ghost. It's the Spirit. That flows from within you. And I rise to say that the free flow of the Spirit in my life is a blessing that I often do not recognize as I should. The days and nights when it's easy to get to God and feel Him is often assumed in my life. I cannot speak for you, but my assumption is that all of us love the Lord and when it's good, it's good. We like it being good. When I see the work of His mighty hand, I stand in awe and I am thankful but when I cannot see his hand and I cannot hear his voice and I'm pressing my way through the crowd and it's a struggle then I find him it feels so much different it's the same water but it feels a little different I preached you about wartime water I'm preaching about a flow that needs to happen in your life you gotta struggle to get there you gotta fight to get there Here, Pastor Dick, wartime water is when you press through the press. When you pray a little longer until you finally break through because you know that you've got to get there. It's the water that comes when you have to grind out your devotions and you face obstacles and limitations not of your own making. I have been there many times when I go through the motions and my hands are raised and I'm clapping and I'm singing the words to the song but I do not feel the spirit because my life is conflicted and I know I've got to get there so i got to dig down and i got to pray and i got to believe God. And I got to block out every thought that comes against me. And I got to dig and dig and dig until I find the water. Don't you know what the enemy wants to do? He, the first thing he wants to do is choke off the spirit in your life. He wants to make you carnal. And the best way he can make you carnal is to implant a thought in your mind. You're not good enough. You're not going to make it. You can't survive this. Nobody loves you. God's not listening to you. You have no joy. He'll choke off the spirit as best he can. That's when you got to get down and dig and dig and dig and dig until you got to flow. I just want to say this to to all those who have ears to hear it. If you haven't spoken tongues in a long time, you ought to pray until that breaks out in you again. I'm going to tell you what. First thing the devil will tell you that you don't need to do that. But hear the word of God. You need to get somewhere and you need to crawl on your face until you begin to speak in other tongues like it happened when you first received the baptism of the Holy Ghost. You ought not go a whole month without speaking in tongues. (laughs) 
I'm hurting, Pastor. I'm hurting. And, and, and I got my, I got this pain in my side. I got this pain in my leg. My head hurts. Something's wrong. And we, we our first inclination is, well, have you gone to the doctor? Have you gone to the chiropractor? Have, have you gone? Have you got your blood work done? I'll tell you what, if your life is hurting, here's my word for you. When's the last time you spoke in tongues? Have you got in the spirit? Has the water been choked off from your life? You've got to get back to the flow of the Holy Ghost. I'll tell you what you've got to do. You've got to get, I, you've got to forget about everybody else. When you get hungry, it won't matter if there's a thousand people. If you're at the mall, if you're at work, if you're driving the car, you're going to say, I got to dig until I find the wartime water. I'll tell you what a wartime dance is. A wartime dance is the dance when there is a battle about to ensue. Let me tell you about wartime worship. It's worship when you know everything is messed up and you're in disarray. You're not worshiping, shouting and dancing because the answer came. You're shouting and dancing to receive the answer. And a lot of us are afflicted because we wait to the end before we are worshiping. I submit to you that the Red Sea is always going to be there. Watch what the Bible said on the other side. Miriam picked up the tambourine and began to dance. I tell you, that was the right song on the wrong side. She didn't have to wait to cross over. She could have done it before she ever crossed over. I'm preaching to you about wartime water. I'm talking about a flow that you don't have it easy. But if you just get to God and say, I've got to have a spirit move. I'm going to preach a little reality to you because I'm looking at a house full of people. And Ron Mullen said, people are pitiful and we are all people. That means we're pitiful. We are pitiful. All of you folks who don't think you're pitiful, read what David said. Lord, why would you even consider me? I'm a worm. Tony Robbins tell you to say that? You ever have any of those guys, motivational speakers say, okay, everyone, let's repeat after me. I'm a worm. (laughs) Did they ever say, repeat after me, I'm lost, undone. Have they ever said, repeat after me, oh, wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of flesh? Let me just get a little reality with you here. You're going to have trouble. You're going to have struggle. You're going to have financial difficulties. You're going to do the right thing and get the wrong result. You're going to be faithful and the enemy's going to come right after you're faithful. And you're going to say, you mean after all this time of being faithful, now the enemy has come to besiege me. You can, you can look at Dothan, you can look at Jerusalem, you can look at Samaria, the way the enemy destroyed those cities and overtook them was to besiege them, to surround them so that nothing could go out and nothing could come in. And the damage of that was water. And when you are besieged, it means that the spirit has a tough time getting to your soul. Scientists today say that they do not know how the two sets of men found each other so far below ground without any modern equipment. Those who started digging from the Gihon Spring and those who started digging from the Pool of Siloam met each other in the process. But scientists today have done all the calculations and they don't know how the two met. 
The pragmatist is puzzled. The analytical mind is befuddled. The wise of the world are bewildered how men without means could come together and begin the flow of water from without to within. And not only that, but from without to within. There's a 12-inch drop, 750 feet long, 0.6% grade. The perfect grade to allow not a gushing water, not a trickling water, but just the right amount of water to make it into the city. No one can describe it. No one can understand it. Because, see, what happens is that you strive and you dig and you pursue and you do what only you can do. And then when you do what only you can do, then God does what only he can do. And the problem is, we're waiting for God to do everything. When the Lord said, I'll tell you what you should do. You come crawling, you come snotting, you come crying, you come shouting, you come dancing, you come digging. I'm going to put it together. But you got to get out your knee. You got to get on your knees. You got to start, you got to start chiseling away. And you got to start scooping it up. Here's what Jesus said. They that hunger and thirst after righteousness shall be filled. You're not filled unless you get hungry, unless you get thirsty. You want a healing? I'll tell you what you do. You follow the path of blind Bartimaeus who sat by the highway side begging. And the Bible says that a great group of people were leaving Jericho. And Jesus was in the parade, his disciples and many people. And when they passed by, blind Bartimaeus heard that Jesus was passing by. And he cried out, Jesus, thou son of David have mercy on me. And the Bible says many of them tried to, tried to silence him. But he cri- as they tried to silence him, as they tried to put him down, you're out of order. I wish to God this church would get out of order. Maybe your healing and your miracle and your Holy Spirit investment is waiting on you. To stop allowing the perception of yourself and of the people to hinder you from crying out on Jesus. Have mercy on me. And in the middle of that crowd, all those people talking, all those people clamoring, all the, all the footfalls, all the dust, all the folks off behind him in the distance, the Lord stops because he hears his favorite word. Mercy. Mercy, God. Mercy, mercy. This is the change that has to happen if you're going to have a healing. You see, when Jesus pauses and he calls for Bartimaeus to come, guess what the people do? He calleth for thee. Now it's good. A minute ago, you're an embarrassment. Now, you're the hero. Let me just tell you, don't rely upon what other people around you think. I'll tell you what, your perception of how they think about you is going to kill you. You're going to die right where you sit. You're going to keep coming to church and clapping and singing but have no water in your life. You're getting choked off. You haven't spoken in tongues in a long time. I'll tell you what it's doing. It's, it's drying up your soul. It's, it's making you, it's kind of, it's constricting everything in your life. And you get angry about all kinds of stuff. And now you're frustrated and every little thing becomes a big thing. Every big thing becomes a mountain and the mountains become impassable. And finally you get discouraged and you lose God. And you get angry at the church and at, at the pastor and at the leadership and at everything you can think of. Because there's been no flow of water in your life. But I preached to you today. Some of you are in the wartime of your life. The devil has afflicted you. The enemy is after you you've done well but the enemy has come and said now that you've been faithful I'm just going to see if you can still hold it together that's the day that you've got to rise up and say i got to have some wartime water <laughs> hey 
I, I don't know about everybody, but I know about me, Elder. There's been so many times, I've gone through this so many times, that I knew the Lord was with me. Everything was good. I felt good, but I've been in the battle. I've been in the fray. I fought the battles, and I knew I gotta have some Jesus today. I gotta have some spirit. Where's the flow of water? I know what hinders people. It's the same thing that's been hindering people for a long time. There's nothing new under the sun. It just, it's, it's pride and arrogance. It's inhibitions and doubt. These are the same factors. It really doesn't even matter what religion or denomination you are. It doesn't really matter what, it doesn't even matter what, what church you attend. People are afflicted with doubt and pride and negativism and they believe all the junk out in the world. I just, I don't even want to go through it, but, but the AP put out a long story about all the stories that were not and pictures that have been manipulated now and photoshopping and all kinds of things that people are reading. There's the top 10 things that were not. They were stories and pictures that didn't even exist people read them and they look at them and say well that must have happened just because you saw a picture today or you read an article that might just be a complete lie you don't even know if you open up the paper or you you get on the internet or, or you read if anything's even the truth you have no idea don't be so gullible to believe that the world is the world is doing well everybody is so great I'm telling you what, this place is morally bankrupt and they'll lie to you and say that you're diminishing when really that's just a lie of the enemy, of the devil. You ought to understand, not everything you see is true. Not everything you hear is true. That's why you gotta get back to the Lord. That's why you get back to digging. And when the enemy says, listen, the enemy came, Sennacherib came with insults and accusations. He even said, don't even, he said to, to Hezekiah and to his men, don't think that your God is gonna save you. He said, your God wants Jerusalem overthrown. That's a lie. That's a lie. You ought to, you ought to practice. That's a lie. You ought to practice saying it. That's a lie of the devil. You ain't going to make it. That's a lie of the devil. The Lord doesn't love you. That's a lie of the devil. Nobody in the church loves you. That's a lie of the devil. Nobody cares for you. That's a lie of the devil. Nobody wants you. That's a lie of the devil. I want you. Uh-huh. I don't know if I can worship. That's a lie of the devil. I don't feel good. That's okay. Not everybody feels good when they worship. Stop acting like you have to feel good when you worship. Maybe it's time for you not to feel good and worship and confuse the devil. He's wanting to know if you can still shout when you're and you're in the wartime. I wish somebody would get done worshiping and shouting and dancing. And I asked them, boy, things must have gone well. When they say, I'd like for them to say to me, no, nothing's gone well. I just thought I'd worship in advance and shout a little in advance. I've just been digging out in a tunnel. I wonder when we say shout for joy I wonder if we think it's because of joy maybe it's not because of joy maybe it's in search of joy come on all you tongue talkers you need to get breakthrough to the heavenly language you need to break through in the heavenly language and when the doctor gives you that report here's your first response I know where I'm going. I'm going down. I'm going to dig a tunnel. I'm going to choke him off and I'm going to feed my soul. I'm almost done. Maybe. I got a lot of time. It's only 1123. I'm preaching to the church. See, let me just, let me just help you with this. Let me, let me help you with this. We didn't have all the concordances and all the doctors and all the counselors when we were kids. We didn't have all the technologies. We didn't have, we didn't have in your day, mother, uh-huh. when you were leading the people. <laughs> 
I don't want to ask you what day that was, but it was before my day. Uh, you didn't have all of that. You couldn't send anybody somewhere. But what we did have, we had the Holy Ghost. We had the laying on of hands. We had the blood of Jesus. And we had the name of Jesus. And in between speaking the name and pleading the blood, we spoke in tongues. And we prayed until we spoke in tongues. And when we spoke in tongues, we talked in tongues again. Listen, I'm not against medication if you need it. I'm not against the doctors if you need them. I'm not against the nurses if you got to have them. Bless God, take advantage of it. But do not negate your need for the Holy Ghost, which is in you, the river, the water. Hey, I got to preach a little bit now. Because I'm, I'm afraid professionalism has dried us up. And when we get depressed and low and down and we're faithful and things don't work out well, I'll tell you what happens to us. We leave and get discouraged. Or we turn to medical science and we take medications. We seek out a counselor, but we did not know his name because his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father. Listen, don't get me wrong. I think we need the medications if we have to have it. I don't, don't, stop, don't stop your dialysis. Don't stop, your, don't stop the medication. But I want to tell you, before you get on that and you rely upon that, how about you get down and start digging through a tunnel? How about you get some wartime water? Don't you know there's a battle in your home and a battle in your marriage and a battle in your job and a battle in your mind? you got to get the Holy Ghost inside of your life and inside of your mouth. I don't want to be so professional that when someone cries out for mercy I'm saying don't say anything this is not the time this is not the time it's always the time don't worry I'll help you if you get carried away we'll carry you into the prayer room and we'll go on don't worry we gotta have a Holy Ghost move of God we gotta have a Holy Ghost move of God you got to start speaking in tongues in your bedrooms, in your kitchen, at your counter. When was the last time you spoke in tongues while you were washing the dishes? I'll tell you what, I heard it again, and I'm a little weary with preachers telling the saints and the congregations, do not speak in tongues in the sanctuary. Pray tell, where are you supposed to speak in tongues? If you don't speak in tongues in the sanctuary, you're not going to have a liberty in the spirit. some wartime water is about to erupt in this house and some wartime worship and some wartime cries and some shouts and some praise it doesn't mean it's going well hey come on from your belly cry out hold your belly oh oh Hey, 
I was 19 years old when I came home. I was heading towards a life of secularism in college. But I walked in one late, one night late after being out with my buddies. They were church kids. But I walked in late one night about 12.30. All the lights were off in the house except for one light over by a chair. My mama was over there speaking in tongues. I said, what are you doing, mom? She said, I'm praying. No problem. The next line was the problem. Who are you praying for? I'm praying for you. Uh, I tell you what you ought to do you ought to get on your knees and speak in tongues and speak in tongues over your family and get the river of living water in your home and in your life and when you see them you just pray right now in Jesus name I got some war going on here I got some water I gotta have I've been digging down I've been digging down hey I hope you're not here I hope you're just watching. But if you are a professional Pentecostal, you're making me mad. You got so professional that now you have removed the unction of the Holy Ghost? What? You think you can make it on your intellect? What? You think you can make it on your tenure? On your Bible trivia? You didn't get in this thing by yourself. You didn't think your way into this thing. You didn't have access because your daddy and your granddaddy and your pawpaw got in this thing. You got here through the spirit. I know you're not here. If you were here, you're not here any longer. You've just changed your mind. So I'm just going to tell somebody online all you professional Pentecostals you know what you need to have you need to have a move of God in your rooms in your homes and pray until you break through come on just let's have a little reality I'll just raise my hand you don't have to who has prayed and felt nothing I'm closing my eyes. Come on, who has gone through their entire prayer time and felt nothing? Who's prayed many times and you left checking off the box, but ain't nothing happening? Who's been praying and while you've been uttering the repetitive words, been thinking about all the problems that you're going through? Has anyone ever prayed, I love you, Lord, and in your mind thinking about how much you can't stand that other person? Uh Uh-oh. No hands. About 20% start looking around. said out of their mouth I know you're a provider but you're in your brain you're saying yeah but he ain't provided for me uh-huh. and, you, and you're struggling and you're fighting and you're coming but you don't feel right and you got no water and you're dried up I'll tell you what you do elder you get down you start praying you grind it out you grind it out I prayed I knew I got a breakthrough it took me 35 minutes one time to break through that was that was the shortest period of time but it usually takes a lot longer sometimes days go by and a month has gone by I've spent a long time trying to get back to the place that I love but when I finally broke through let me tell you that water it tastes different and when the wartime water comes it means I'm alive the enemy is without but I'm alive (laughs) 
I pray right now in the name of Jesus for all the people who feel dried up, for all the people in this house and are watching at home. I pray for everybody right now that are struggling in their body, in their minds, with their families and their marriages and their children and their jobs and their health and everything. I pray right now, help us have a hunger to dig down, Lord. And when we start to dig, you're going to meet us in the middle. A miracle is going to happen in the middle, Lord. Ah! Oh! I want you to forget who you came with and who you're sitting next to. And I want you to cry out to God right now like you're the only one in a, in a closet all by yourself. Okay, wait a second. We're almost there. We haven't got through yet. Let me just give some reality. I can't get to the depth of where I need to be without being real with myself. I have to tell you, I love the worship and the sounds that Brother Zach, Sister Lacey present to us. But I'm not a fan of every lyric that's ever been written. There's one particular song we sing, the lyric doesn't even rhyme. (laughs) Praise God. But a couple months back, I determined I'm not worshiping to the song. That's easier said than done. Because some folks are waiting for their favorite song before they break through. Some folks are waiting for their favorite preacher before they break through. I submit What if we broke through, absent or void of our favorite song or our favorite preacher? Because we're not worshiping the man and we're not worshiping the song, but we're trying to get to the spirit. And if you're waiting for your favorite song, you'll be waiting a long time. (laughs) When you're hungry... All you have to hear is that Jesus is somewhere in the vicinity. (laughs) And you cry out. Have mercy. I've walked through Hezekiah's tunnel many times. It's about knee high in some places depending on how tall you are I swim Mm -hmm. I was in the tunnel just a handful of months ago we started from the outside to the inside and in some places of the tunnel you have to have a flashlight If you're a tall person, you can easily hit your head because sometimes it comes down, you have to duck. And the walls are constricting. I take my flashlight and I look on the walls and a couple thousand, three thousand year old chisel marks still. And as I'm wading through the water, I'm feeling the free flow, the cool water coming. That's a different water. And as I walked through, then I saw a place where it went up high, but then it came back down. 
they lost their way. As I'm walking through, there's a little area where it kind of jets off this way. It's only about three or four feet long, and then it comes back. It's like, we were going to go that way. No, this is not the right way. How did they know that? How did they know that? They didn't know. But the Lord was seeing their effort, and he was steadying their hand. And one man was working on this side, and another man was working on that side. Somehow, they found themselves. They broke through. And now the water could flow. And it sustained the city because there was a water. It was a wartime water. I preached to someone here today. You're going through a rough time. That's the reality of your life. This is the day you start digging. And you start seeking God. And you start praying. And you make a commitment to dig until you find it. And when it happens in your life, here, Pastor, it'll taste so much different. Now, from your own spirit now, not based upon bias, ideas, or preferences. Forget about the whole world. Now you've got to find Jesus in this moment. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. I've got to have this, Lord. If you've never tasted of this, you've got to pray until you get it. There's nothing like the river of life. Come on, right now, you pray. This is not beneath you. This is who you ought to be and what you're called to be. Oh. Oh. Just a moment, Brother Zach. Now, right now, just lift up your hands right now. I I feel this in the Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name. Now, out of your mouth, just begin to pray. Oh, Lord. It doesn't matter if you feel it. You don't have to feel it. Just have it in your knowledge. I know that I need it. In the name of Jesus, I pray right now. Let the river flow out of my belly. Let the Holy Ghost flow out of me. You have given it to me, Lord. Now come on out from your, from your, from that very inside, from your core. In the name of Jesus, I pray. I pray, let me feel your spirit. Let me feel your presence. Let me have that overflow. Let me have that water, Lord. I've been going through some trouble, but I know, Lord, that you're present. I just, I'm aching to feel you, Lord. I'm searching for you today, Lord. I'm hungering for you today, Lord. Come on, dig, dig. Come on, dig. Come on, dig. Forget about everybody. Forget about everybody. You got to dig. You got to get out of your norm. You got to get your voice intact. You got to lift up your vocal cords and say, have mercy on me, God. Ah. Oh. 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 Come on, that's it. That's right. That's right. Keep digging. Keep digging. Ah. It's time to get out of the dry. It's time to get in the river. It's time to get out of the out of the constricting thing. It's time for you. Don't worry about anybody else. You gotta get to the water. You gotta get to the water. You gotta get to the spirit. Yay! Come on, let's hear some more time cries. I want to hear some more time cries from your belly, from your core, from your heart. I'm not giving up now. 
I feel some I'm hearing some intercessory prayers here tonight today I'm I'm feeling some intercessory prayer going on here right now yay if you're going to pray for your family pray in the Holy Spirit yay Get real. I've been struggling, Pastor. I've been feeling dry and empty, but I've come here today, and I'm going to start digging until I feel something. I'm going to have a breakthrough. I've got. I've got to have a breakthrough. I've got to have a breakthrough. for you. Push. Pray until something happens. Pray until something happens. You don't need to come into church and just go through the motions. You've got to have the water. You've got to have the spirit. Yay! in the name of Jesus I pray have your way in this place Lord be the Lord of our lives I pray right now oh we're desperate for you there are people that are hungry for you Lord we gotta have something in our lives we cannot produce ourselves but you can do it Lord let your miracle working spirit overflow us right now in Jesus name I pray it in Jesus' name. Yay! Yay! In the name of Jesus, I pray. In Jesus' name, pull us out. Bring us through, Lord. We're praying, Lord. We're shouting, Lord. We're crying, Lord. We're desperate for you, Lord. We're hungry for you, Lord. We can't live without you, Lord.